Steve Amen here with the game day. Welcome to The Hedge. We have some great guests starting with senior member of the points bet trading team, Andrew Menino, along with Forbes sports desk writer, Tommy Beer. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me on, Steve. Excited to be here. I really was excited about this one because we want to take a, a look behind the curtain of the sports gambling scene. When people say, quote unquote, Vegas or the house, we think of these mysterious figures who are who are never wrong. But PointsBet and yourself are the ones setting those lines, right? Yeah. I mean, I think um, the Internet has sort of made that less mysterious where everybody can see everything in every book all around the world at once. And I think that sort of opens things up to better to, to, to get a better idea of exactly what's going on all around the world at the same time, rather than just at a couple shops in Vegas, trying to figure out who's got what spread on different games. Uh, we can see everything all 24 hours a day, all around the world. So would you say you guys are looking at other people's lines? You know, when you put, when you set a line, are you going, okay, let's see what everybody else is doing to make sure we're not that far off. I mean, we're definitely always aware of where the global marketplace is, uh, but betters will let you know quick if you're off from the from the global marketplace. So there's always a way uh, to know what's going on, where we stand and and react to sharp action uh, that sort of pushes you back towards that global uh, agreed upon line. How do you guys handle like in-game betting? That's all the rage these days. Is that a, is that a human? Is that you? Is that an algorithm mostly? How, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both. You know, we have algorithms that are acting based on our pre-match pricing. So if the Nets open up as 10-point favorites but go down 5-0 in the first quarter, you know, the algorithm is still going to be linked to that opening spread. So it's not going to fly too much off the handle. Uh, but we do have we, – we do intervene manually. You know, traders get involved if uh, there's injury issues or if a high-profile uh, player runs into injury trouble – uh, if there's unexpected weather in football, these are things we're all aware of and are keeping an eye on uh, to influence the algorithm and take it into account. How many traders would you say are on a particular game on a normal night? Uh, usually one guy is paying direct attention to the game. Uh, somebody else is paying attention to uh, bets that are coming in. Um, somebody else is paying attention to sharp action or particularly large bets. Um, we're working together as a team to get all that information together and, and uh, make sure the lines are, are reflecting it. Now, one subject I've always been really interested in is player props. I do an NBA player prop here on the game day every day. They haven't been going so well this week, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a story for another day. You know, how much research goes into those? Something like a Steph Curry over, you know, X amount of points or X amount of three-pointers made. It's so accurate. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, we do a lot of research on stuff like that. Uh, we have an internal quants team that helps develop a lot of the lines that you're looking at. Uh, we're looking at Curry's historical averages. Uh, we're looking, you know, weighted a little bit more to what he's done recently. Um, and we're also looking at his opponent and their tendencies, right? Do they allow a lot of threes? Uh, do they have a great offensive rebounder? And if so, you know, how many, how many offensive boards are there going to be? Um, another thing we take into account a lot for stats like this is pace, right? If, if a team's playing the Wizards, there's going to be playing really quickly, which means Quick more possessions, which means more opportunities, which means those stats are going to be more inflated than they would be, you know, if they're playing the Suns, that's going to have, you know, a more slowed down game that's going to be less opportunities. Um, so, you know, we're doing tons of research. We're always trying to adjust uh, and take as many factors into account. 
Would you say live player props are the next innovation for points bet? You know, something like a Steph Curry over unders four and a half threes. He hits that in the first half. Is that something that would adjust as the game goes on at some point in the future? It's it's definitely an opportunity for growth. I mean, it's it's going to be uh, really interesting. It's going to be something people want to see, uh, but it's also really complex, right? Um, when you look at basketball rotations, right? Steph plays the entire first quarter. Um, whereas Tatum is liable to get pulled early. Um, So keeping those things into account and and tying them to the early algorithms in a way that's going to be uh, useful, interesting, and available is a complicated problem that I think people are trying to solve right now. I had one on Patrick Williams Wednesday night points and rebounds, right? I missed it by, I went over and he had 17. It was 17 and a half. Like, let's just say he blew past that. And I wanted to say, okay, I, I believe he's in for the, a career night. You know, is that something where a line could be done? Okay. 30, 30 points, you know, for the second half or a second, a second half line, something, something like that in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's something we've done like at halftime for a major game where we'll say, okay, you know, uh, he's, you know, uh, Mahomes is at 245 yards. We had him at 310 second half yards. Let's put it up at over under 150. Okay. Um, but the challenge is really making that a true in play market, right? That's going to react the way that team totals do in play or, you know, fourth quarter, uh, spread is going to update throughout the fourth quarter. Um, so it's definitely something that's cool. It's definitely something we would like to see. Um, and the math is just complicated and something where. where I bet. Can... Three weeks ago before Christian Wood got hurt, where they're just blown, they're blown out the OKC Thunder. And it was like, all right, he's got 26. He needed like 26 and a half or something like that. And they just didn't play him for the last 15 <laughs> minutes of the game. And I'm going crazy. And like, you know, that's not something a better would know unless you know what the coach is thinking. You don't, you don't know how that is going to react. What if all of a sudden that becomes a, a 10 point game again and they put him back in, you never know. Exactly. And even in, in the NFL, you know, if, if Mahomes throws for 240 yards in the first half, he might not play the fourth quarter because they could be up by four touchdowns. Um, yeah. So, so those are the kind of things you want to take into account and setting a line that's going to accurately reflect that and give you an interesting bet. Um, is, is part of the challenge there. You guys have so many different sports on points bet, but have you thought about incorporating the obscure stuff? We had a guy, Kenny bets big on last week. He was talking about betting on, you know, Madden and 2k. Do you see like the obscure stuff or the, you know, hardcore gamblers coming next, or do you think you're going to keep it more of a, what it is right now? I, I certainly think that we saw some of the appetite in the public for more obscure stuff during the last Quarantine. year. Yeah. Uh, the explosion of table tennis, um, was incredible. Uh, Belarusian uh, hockey was getting a ton of interest because they were the only sports still going on. Um, and, and I mean, I spent hours just researching sports and trying to find stuff that was still going on. Uh, I think the biggest challenge is, uh, you know, each state has its own regulations. So what's allowed in Iowa may not be allowed in Indiana and what's allowed in Michigan may not be allowed in New Jersey. Um, so trying to walk that line and find what's interesting. Uh, Colorado just approved betting on cornhole, um, which is remarkable and incredible uh, and something that, you know, we're working on on getting up, but it's it's challenging the price because it doesn't have the historical data that we do yeah. for the NBA or the NFL. 
So I would imagine as more states become legal, that would allow you guys to do more crazy stuff because all of a sudden there's a bigger market for stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean, I think um, states have been fairly conservative so far, um, but I think one some state is going to really go out there and adopt uh, more of a European or Australian model where they just say, um, as long as it's sports and, and people are being paid, it's fine. Um, and then we'll really see an explosion of uh, disc golf and some of the other uh, more out there stuff. I know you guys do the name a bet kind of thing where you can just basically put in some crazy thing. Is that something where somebody wants to bet on cornhole or something like that? They can request it or no? Well, all the time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, you know, we we there's a lot of stuff that we want to offer that we just can't yet um, due to regulations. But as states get more comfortable with sports betting, and more comfortable with uh, the integrity of these organizations, I think we're going to see more approvals for more obscure stuff, uh, and we'll be able to get those name of bets on site easier. That is that is great to hear. We're going to have to have you back on when uh, all that stuff's going on. We can get some updates here on points. But Andrew, thank you so much. Is there anything we could uh, plug you for? Uh, all the time, man. Uh, we're getting ready for March Madness. We got uh, Paige Sparanax to make it rain promotion going on right now uh for select college basketball games get three three dollars in free bets for every uh three-pointer made during the game for sure thank you so much andrew really appreciate it it is my distinct pleasure to welcome forbes sports desk staff writer tommy beer onto the hedge how are you tommy thank you for coming on my pleasure thanks for having me how you doing I'm doing great. So I'm really interested in talking to you about NBA Top Shot. It's dominating the news. I read something you wrote on it a, a couple of days ago, and I had a couple of questions. For one, do you consider this the NBA's Bitcoin? And how do new people like myself get involved with the packs selling out so quickly? Sure. Well, you having questions means you're like every other per human being when they first read and they ask themselves, why am I paying $20, let alone $100, let alone some people paying $100,000 for a video that I can see anywhere on YouTube or any highlight. Um, yeah, so there's not really one, you know, straight answer that, that I can give or that anyone can give. It's one of those things you just got to kind of take your time with and, um, you know, work around a little bit, wrap your, you know, take some time to, to wrap your head around. Um, I think the easiest way to just explain it in layman's terms is that it's a virtual trading card. Um, so it's a, uh, um, you know, a, a, a highlight, um, or, you know, or, you know, usually they give a couple different angles in each particular highlight. It gives the score and, and some other in, uh, additional information in the highlight itself. Um, and NBA Top Shot calls those moments. Um, so each moment, um, is unique and specific. And I think what generates the value is, um, and Mark Cuban has, has you know, kind of used yeah. this analogy, and, and I think NBA players are, are involved too. Definitely, and I think you know one of the things that um, you know it, it makes it, to help people understand would be I could draw a copy of the Mona Lisa, um, or a really talented artist could copy uh, the Mona Lisa, but it's not the one that you're going to go visit in the Louvre, and it, therefore it's not priceless. Um, that would be the explanation to why these particular highlights are valuable. It's because they're encrypted with a unique serial number, meaning that even if each, even though you can see other versions of the highlight, this particular version has a unique owner, um, you know, based on that encryption data that provides value for that, for that card. So um, as far as just getting in, getting your feet wet um, right now, the, the entry point is uh, around $20. 
um, you know, to, to get a card. But as you know, it's really difficult. The easiest way is to get a pack that, that sell for under 10 bucks. Um, but those things sell out quickly. And the other thing is, is uh, Top Shot has been having trouble with their servers and, you know, just getting the product out to the people. Just too many um, people. Too, too, many, too many people too quickly. Yeah. Um, my sense is that they kind of got the idea um, that they weren't prepared for the influx of, of interest and viewers and folks trying to buy these products. Um, so hopefully over the next couple of days, next couple of weeks, um, they'll kind of, you know, square away those edges. They have some really, really smart folks, some really high powered investors behind the product. Remember, another reason that I'm a, a, a believer that this thing, you know, the bubble will burst eventually, but I think there's a, a relatively high platform. Um, is because they have the backing of the NBA. You know, Adam Silver signed off on this. Um, really top-level guys in the National Basketball Association um, have agreed that this is a, a product that they're willing to, um, you know, co-sign, that they're, you know, this is a digitally licensed product, uh, officially licensed by the NBA. So um, my sense is um, with the really smart tech guys they have out in California, Dapper Labs, uh, who are the creators of this product, uh, in addition to the funding that they have, the resources that they have, uh, they'll, they'll, get, they'll get the product back up online, make it easier for folks to, um, you know, get in on the ground floor uh, and familiarize themselves with the product. And I think that'll actually generate a little more um, popularity and potentially drive up the value a little bit. So obviously that, that value is going to keep going up and up. I saw something that there's bets being taken on over under a million bucks on one of the highlights this season. Do you see it going that high? A good question. So I think uh, yes, the value of certain uh, individual highlights have uh, skyrocketed. There was a, yeah. a LeBron James that sold for $208,000. There's multiple um, highlight moments that have sold for uh, $100,000. That being said, in the last week or so, there's been kind of a downward trend on those non-elite players. You know, um, I'll give you, for instance... Um, you know, about uh, 10 days ago or so, really at the height of the what we saw as the at, at the height of the product, um, you know, basic Luka Doncic card, the, the, the cheapest Luka Doncic card was going for around 800. That's around 400 now. Um, wow. the, the cheapest Trey Young card was like 200. That's around 100 now. So those 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 entry points were called common moments, um, you know, have seen their value from the peak. Um, you know, decrease about, you know, 50% so, or, you know, if they've come down significantly, that being said, somebody's still willing to pay $400, $500, $600 for a Luka Doncic highlight, um, you know, speak to that point. Um, do I think a, a moment will sell for a million dollars before the end of the year? I would not be surprised. Um, I'd probably be more comfortable to say around 500,000, somewhere in that ballpark. So I think those really elite, rare, you know, highlight those moments are going to sell for a, a really exorbitant values. Um, but I think the other cards are going to kind of find a, a floor that's, you know, more palatable for the, for the common investor. My thought here is as a big sports fan, I'm following these games. I know who's value is up or down in real life. So I, could I get involved in it from this NBA top shot version? So you see Luka Doncic the other day, he hits the game winner against the Celtics. Will his cards all of a sudden go for more money than they would have two hours before that? I already see you shaking your head. Yes. It definitely. I mean, that's kind of the appeal to it. I, th I think that's why it appeals to us folks that watch sports all the time and feel, you know, DFS folks and fantasy guys. And, um, you know, there's there's other things, you know, if um, uh, Shea, Shea Gilders Alexander scored 42 points last week, you know, his, his career high. Um, and I and I noticed right away, I tried to get into the site and his and his, you know, the, the, the price slowly and surely started trickling up um, until it, you know, kind of eventually plateaued. But I'd say it was 15, 20 percent higher than it was 
at the start of that OKC game. So yes, you will definitely see that. You know, again, we're we're there's there's a limited number of products available. So you know, the, there's a limited number of listings per highlight that drives the value up as well. Um, so the the seller it really is a seller's market. Um, you know, as of now, we'll see as things go out, uh, as things play out, as more packs get introduced, as more highlights become available. Um, you know, there there there'll be a greater supply, which will obviously affect the demand. Um, but yes, I think that's kind of a, a large part of the appeal I think for folks getting involved in the market you don't have to worry about a case you know there's nothing like that at all and so it's that's the big appeal to me and that the NBA backs it you have you know in your article you have Terrence Ross you know he's he's got a big smile on his face glowing about how much he likes NBA top shot so you have the backing of the players you got the backing of the league and again it's it's safe it's easy to do you're not worried about getting ripped off because again it's from the NBA that's huge uh, totally agree. Um, you know, t- uh, Tyrese Halliburton tweeted that, you know, I tried to get my card for 400 bucks. Now it's above a thousand thousand bucks. Yeah. I, I think you're going to see a lot more of that type of stuff as players get involved because it's kind of, um, you know, a lot of players are, are you know, uh, CJ McCollum is, you know, involved in cryptocurrency. And this is kind of the evolution of a, you know, kind of a perfect marriage of, of things that are really uh, interesting and, uh, you know, are, are generating value right now. The, the NFTs, the uh, cryptocurrency, and, and this is... Uh, Kind of the sports version of that. So, um, and 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 you know, in terms of a million dollar you know highlight, I sh- thinking ahead, what happens when they you know when they have Jordan's game six, the sh- or you know was shot over Craig Elo or shot over Byron Russell or LeBron's block on Iguodala? These things are going to go crazy, especially if they have a limited you know five in the five in the world exists, something like that. There's going to be somebody that's going to pay really exorbitant, and um, uh, Dapper Labs, that the company that 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 produces. It has already said that they've discussed, uh, had conversations with the um, some retired players to get access to their highlights. So I think it's only a matter of time. I think it's only a matter of time before the NFL gets involved. Um, people are going to want to buy Patrick Mahomes, no look passes. Those things will start skyrocketing. Um, so yeah, it, yeah it's it's. It, I think it's um, an aspect of the future. It can't continue on its current pace because it's just been so hot so quick. Um, but I do, the good news is I do think that eventually it'll settle into a plateau, and even that plateau will be pretty high. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to see this evolve into, you know, football, baseball, as you said. It's I can't wait to see that. But what I really want to talk to you right now about is the New York Knicks. I'm a big Knicks fan. You've covered the Knicks. Obviously, they played above expectations this year. I'm sitting pretty on the over 21 and a half wins. But it doesn't seem like the young players, Toppin, Knox, Nilakina, they've been they haven't been given a lot of opportunity this year. Even R.J. Barrett's, you know, playing time and production have dipped. And while I believe making the playoffs is nice, like they're right on that fringe right now the most important thing for the Knicks this season is identifying who's part of this young core and developing them for the future do you believe the Knicks are attempting to do that right now it's a good question and I would for the last 20 years have agreed with you that it's really only about next season and building towards the future and I and while I still agree that that should be the primary focus I do think there is an argument to be made, if I was going to play devil's advocate against you, an argument to be made that there is value in advancing to the postseason, even if it's as an eight seed, even if that's a 10 seed in this weird, you know, where the 10 seed plays the seven and the eight plays the nine. Um, getting those young guys, Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, especially the guys in the rotation minutes in those pressure situations, even the last month of the season in a playoff race, um, can it may lead to uh, some tangible benefits down the road. And just as importantly, it may increase the appeal of the franchise 
when they go free agent shopping this summer. That's what it always comes down to, that big fish hunting. And for, I mean, for better or worse, that's what it always comes down to. A hundred percent. And, you know, we one thing that history teaches us is you need an elite NBA player to be a, you know, a, a championship contending team. Not a good player, not a few pretty decent. You need a star, top five, a couple top ten guys, whatever that case may be. Um, sometimes you get lucky in the draft, unlikely. Um, you know, it's usually via free agency. I think the Knicks have positioned themselves well. All their future draft picks, um, two uh, first-round draft picks in, in this upcoming draft. Maybe the Mavs pick is a lottery pick. Um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But I, and and just as importantly, no albatross contracts clogging up the books. They're going to have, you know, if not the most cap space in the league uh, to spend in this coming offseason, this coming summer, it'll be right near the top. And I think when you talk about Leon Rose, uh, you know, kind of setting the table at the top, the quality, respected coach in Thibodeau, and just as importantly, to my previous point, a team inching in the right direction. Um, you know, now Julius Randle looks like he might be a, you know, a, a piece, not the piece, but a piece that that is part of the, the bigger puzzle. Um, and I think there's some, again, there's some positivity. If you, you know, if you think about the Nets. I was just thinking that when they had D'Angelo Russell, they had this really good young team. And you look at that young team right now, they don't have any of those guys right now. They, they traded them all away for Harden and the rest of them you know, were left for cap space for Durant and, and Irving. So that, that, if that's the model, that might not be a bad idea. Just as much as as the players themselves, it was that ethos that 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 uh, Kenny Atkinson, who's and and who's now gone, but and Sean Marks that kind of built that scrappy, young, hungry, improving team, defensive-minded team, and that's what the I think that's the type of culture the Knicks are attempting to establish, and hopefully they can kind of convey parlay that. And in, in terms of attracting free agents, um, you know, we, we know that they have a connection with those Kentucky guys. And I think they're positioning themselves should, you know, Carl Anthony Towns shake loose and, and be unhappy in Minnesota. Should, for whatever reason, Devin Booker not be happy or, you know, Donovan Mitchell just signed an extension. But, you know, you just kind of get those guys, you know, some of those young guys, especially with the kind of Kentucky connections. Um, I think the Knicks are putting themselves in a position which they've been in the past and they've struck out, you know, for Nick fans that say, you know, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not getting my hopes up. We had the most cap space in the league every single season. And like, yes, a Devin Booker, a Carl Anthony Towns, those guys sound great, but you're giving up everything to get one of those guys. So how in the world are you going to build a team around those guys that's better than the situations they're in right now? Unless you wait for those guys to hit free agency. That's a long time, though. That's a long time. You know, Cat's only a couple of years away. There's some some really quality free agents this year, um, and obviously, it's not just the you know those young Kentucky guys. There's you know uh, you know if Kawhi Leonard hits the market, there's just there every year we know that there's really talented players that either demand trades or hit free agency. So I think that's the Knicks' plan is, and it's a difficult one. They're they're walking a thin line because, as you know, to your point, the worst place you can be in the NBA it's the eight seed because you're just good enough to get smashed in the first round, but you're not bad enough to get a quality draft pick. Last question before we wrap this up. Julius Randle obviously has been unbelievable, but do you see this as a long-term fit? He's got the $20 million. I believe it's now $20 because he got another 900 grand bonus for the All-Star game for, for next season. Do you see this as more than next year as a long-term deal? 
Uh, well, yeah, so he has a player option, uh, the team, rather, the team has a team option for $19.8 million for next season. Um, if they choose not to guarantee that team option, there's only a $4 million cap hit. Um, you know, had you asked a lot of Nick fans six months ago, I think they would have said, yeah, he's probably, you know, they're going to end up waving him. Um, th- now he's obviously, uh, you know, it's very safe to assume that they're going to, you know, lock in that contract for at least one more season. And that's an interesting question. Do you... Um, you know, uh, consider extending him long term. I would, I would hesitate against that because I think if you do it right now, or maybe even at the end of the season, we'll we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But if you do that, you're buying high. Um, to, uh, he's played at a very high level this season. There's no denying. You know, t- you know, 23 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, um, shooting. You know, right around 40 percent from three, 80 percent from three points territory. Only one player in NBA history has averaged 23. 10 and 5 while slashing 40 and, and 80 uh, from the free throw line as Larry Bird in 1985 and 1985. That's pretty good comp. That's pretty good. If he, if he turns into Larry Bird, that's pretty good for the Knicks. That's decent company, you know, and obviously he got rewarded with an all-star berth. That being said, I think he's not as bad as he was last year, not as inefficient and turnover prone. So if you find that smooth spot and he's willing to compromise, he really likes playing in New York, et cetera. Um, but again, you have to fi- – you have to uh, – First secure a stud. You know, if you can get that stud in free agency this year, then say, hey, do you like playing with Julius Randle? Is this a guy that you can kind of, you know, see yourself with long term? Then you maybe consider extending him. I think that makes a ton of sense. I mean, personally for me, I would just, I'm always like tear it down, blow it up, you know, start over. You could probably go get a pretty decent haul for Julius Randle right now. I know they'll never do it though. They'll never do it. If I'm the Knicks and somebody comes to me and offers me the current value, you know, an all-star. A lottery pick or more. In a, in a second. But they're not doing that. Like, you know they're not doing that. They would definitely not do it. Tibbs wants to – and that's the, another problem with Tibbs. The benefit is it makes you competitive and maybe it pieces your, your, you know, increases your appeal. The downside is the win now at all costs. And at, to your point, yes, Knox hasn't been playing. Neil Aquina hasn't been playing. Um, may, you know, we'll see. You know, those guys I, ideally will get some – you know, some – will earn their way into the rotation later in the season. Um, but right now, you, you know, it, it, that is a – that is definitely a knock, especially if the season goes south in the last month of the season, you dedicate, you know, an entire year to kind of building towards the playoffs at the, you know, while sacrificing playing time for the youngsters. And if you not only don't make the playoffs by playing your vets, then that's the worst of all cases. You don't have a great draft pick. You didn't develop your young guys. And, uh, you know, there you are. That's kind of my fear with this, with this group. We'll definitely have to wait and see how things play out there. But Tommy, thank you so much. You could follow Tommy at Tommy beer on Twitter is there anything we can plug for you now that we're wrapping up the show? Uh, at Tommy Beer on Twitter is great. I just uh, really appreciate you guys having me on. Of course, we're gonna definitely do this again. Maybe uh, celebrating some Knicks uh, playoff, you know, play-in tournament wins. Let's not get crazy now. Oh, it's gonna be great to see. That's gonna do it here on the Hedge. Thank you to Tommy and Andrew. We'll be back next week to talk more NBA action.